Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Once again, unfortunately, we're doing it by day, but not necessarily unfortunately, hopefully, everything comes out to the good, everything turns to the good. The Shabbos Pashki Sovay bring us that much another week closer to Rosh Hashanah. It's El Shabbos Mir Shem. We read Pashki Sovay. Pashki Sovay begins with the Bikurim. Beautiful, beautiful mitzvah, wonderful mitzvah, which Mitzvah Shem will discuss. Mm-hmm. But the most renowned part of Kisava, unfortunately, is the Teicha. Why the Teicha? It's curses. It's an aliyah that the Bakari gets himself. Nobody gets called up for it. The Bakari takes it right away because we don't want to call somebody to receive what's being read in the Parsha. It's famous story which we've told about Yalta Rebbe was the Balkhari in the shul used to read the parsha every week and Mitla Rebbe as a child, the son, used to listen to the Balkhari one year it turned out Yalta Rebbe was not around in Pash Kisavai somebody else read when the Mitla Rebbe, the child, heard this, must have been the eight Bar Mitzvah years, almost Bar Mitzvah, right after, hearing this Kriya, he passed out. He passed out. He got so ill that on Yom Kippur, it was still questionable if he was allowed to fast. And they asked him, Zagler, what's going on over here, Berla? You've heard the Teich so many times before. Why so all of a sudden so drastic? To which he answered, when my father reads it, there's no colors. I don't hear any curses. I only hear brachas. We know Hashem is Hashem. The names of God, the Baruch, the names of God are pronounced in different ways. There's Yud Kei which is Adnai, this Elaikim, Elaikei, many different names that we hear from God, there are 72 names that may not be erased. Shem Hashem, Yud Kevavke is Shem Achesed. And Shem Yud Elaikim is Din, 
Minas Adin. The Teichacha, as we know it, all the curses, if God forbid a person doesn't do what he's supposed to do and doesn't behave the way he's supposed to behave. So the Teichacha reads off all different, what sounds like, as we said before, curses that will happen, God forbid, to that person. But within the Teichacha, Kadosh Baruch shows us there's no such thing as bad. The Teichacha, halt cup now. you got to keep the calculations going. The Teichacha has 676 words in it. From the beginning of the Teichacha to the end of the Teichacha, it's not the whole Parsha, it's only one part of the Parsha. 676 words. In it, amongst those 676 words, is God's name. Yud Kevavke is mentioned in the parsha, in this parsha of the Teicha, 26 times. Yud Kevavke itself is Gematria 26, but it's mentioned 26 times. For those of you that are very quick at math, you heard me say already, 26 times 26 is 676. And therefore, Midas Achesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so pronounced in the Teichacha itself that we shouldn't see or hear any bad. We've played this little game before. But it's too powerful not to repeat. Perich of Ches, Pasuk Lamed Aleph Chapter 28, verse 31. Not for those keeping score at home, for those who want to open their chumash and look inside. Pasuk reads, this is part of the Teicha, Shercha, your cat, your cattle, your ox, Tavuach le'inecha will be slaughtered in your eyes. So they say, Chalmeni, you will not eat from it. Chamercha, your donkey, Gozlem, will be stolen from you. Le'ashev lach, it will not be returned to you. Tzayin chanesu le'slevecha. Your sheep will be given to your enemy, and there is no salvation for you. Horrible. Horrible curses. Tata says, no, don't see you, don't take it face value. If you can go forward, you can go backwards. If you have your chumash open, follow me. Salvation for you and not for your enemies. Nisunet Chalak will give you your sheep. Yoshuv will be returned. And not in front of you will be stolen. Chamercha, your donkey, you man from it. Seichal, you will be able to eat. Necha Tavuach Shercha. And not in front of your eyes will your axe be slaughtered. So within the same very same Pasuk, which sounds so severe to us, as such as dire klola, we hear bracha. One needs to know what they hear and how to adjust to it. And why did Hashem want you? 
to hear those words. The story that was circulating, of course, was a fellow that needed to catch a bus in Israel. This happened two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Needed to catch a bus to go place it somewhere in Israel. I don't remember the names of the places, but the buses were all 30 person by capacity, and there were a lot of people waiting for this bus. And the more each time a bus came, another second, a third bus, and he was not yet the 30 to get on. Sorry. By him, he decides, you know what, the bus is too full over here. He jumped into a cab into a taxi and he took it to Tahrir Merkazit the central bus station which is the beginning of the line mm. he'll get on at the beginning of the line I'll have to go back and recording this year the beginning of the line <laughs> it's empty gets on the bus 4.30 whatever it is 4.30 you know, the numbers of buses, 439, 437, whatever it is. Gets on the bus, I got on the bus now. Suddenly, he finds out that there were two buses next to each other. Both started with 43. One was going to his destination, one was going somewhere else. He was on the wrong one. He had to get to his destination quick. He started making phone calls and he found out there is a bus that leaves from the town where he's going at the exact same time that he arrives. So now it's just a matter of a little tillum to make sure that he arrives on time there so he catches the bus. But lo and behold, he said, didn't say enough to him and he missed the bus. It just left. Then, yes, stay to him in the middle of the street. What do I do now? Just to wait for another bus. My shift. The violin, someone approaches him as they would refer to him as a not yet from Yid. And he asks him, Matthias, when is the yard site? So, what yard site? So the yard site. I mean, Doma, who's yard site? I mean, the guy's not a religious Jew, why is he asking about yard sites? Who could he possibly be asking about? And he tells him, the bells that have, I don't the bells, what's that yard site? He looks at him and says, why do you need to know about the bells that have his yard site? The fellow tells him, that his father passed away a very short time ago, a month, two, three ago. And his father passed away. As he was lying there, Gracious, he opened his eyes and said to him, Don't forget on the yard side of the bells that ever you have to go to the cave. I did it always, and my father always did it. Don't break the chain. So the fellow was looking to make sure he does and completes his father's dying wish. Just like Gav, 
that night was the outside. All right, and the next is off and not. Shkachapratz, or Hakadosh Baruch Hu puts you where you need to be when you need to be there. But we need to hear and listen to things that we're supposed to hear. Envision it, one of the rabbis is known as the domestic Eliezer. He was walking with his gabba in the city, and they passed by a watchtower. The domestic Eliezer was very concerned. He looked very, something was bothering him. On the way home, the domestic Eliezer said he wants to stop in the watchtower. They went inside. And the Rebbe told the store owner, I'm looking for a very good watch for my wife. For the Rebbe, but she understands watches, she knows her business. And therefore, only the best will do. I have just the watch you need, the store owner says, I'm a high, I got a big customer. He brings a beautiful, gorgeous watch. Eh, not good enough for my wife. Oh boy. So my wife is a maven, I told you. She's an expert. She knows what a good watch is. And what isn't? Need a better watch. Showed another watch, a third watch. The Mesquiliaz said his wife would not appreciate them. And then I says to him, You know what? Is your wife here? Maybe she can help us. She understands a lady. So the store owner's wife was in the back room, came out the store, came to the store, and she picked up a watch and says, you know what, you're looking for a nice watch for your wife, look at this one. The mescaliers looked at it and says, perfect, exactly what I'm looking for, thank you. Certain my wife's going to love it. And he paid and they left. The guy was shocked. <laughs> he was, what was this? It was so important to buy a watch for his wife all of a sudden. Why a special watch? Since when did she become a maven? But more so, why did he ask for the store owner and his wife to help? It's all the same watches. Why the wife? So when they left the store, the guy said, Please, Rebbe, what happened? So the Rebbe said, Maybe you didn't notice. When we passed by the watch store on our walk, they were screaming in the store. And I heard the store owner tell his wife, you don't understand watches, you're destroying the business, because of you and your bad ideas, people stopped coming to the store. He was really hurting her badly. So therefore, the Mescalese came back to buy a watch from her. So the guy should say, oh, I tried to sell a watch, and I couldn't, but she did. We need to listen. We need to hear what goes on in our surroundings. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has set you today, set you apart to be His treasured people, just as He spoke concerning you. What does it mean of this? God set the Jewish people apart. Amskula is treasured nation. 
Rashi explains this. Gula means a cherished treasure. Costly vessels, precious stones. Things that the king stows away. Likewise, says Rashi, you will be treasured to me more than any other nations. Excuse me a moment. My apologies. The significance of a king's precious treasures is precisely in the fact that they are stowed away. What's precious about it? They're put away. We don't use these treasures. These very expensive, costly, precious stones they don't go to the king's bank account. They don't fund anything that the king is doing or using. For military, domestic. They don't even go in his crown. They don't go in the walls of the palace. They don't do anything. They sit and they be nice, pretty stones in a beautiful safe. The king owns them. The fact that he owns it, this gives him simcha. This gives him joy. And that's what makes him a king. The fact that he has this tremendous treasure of extremely precious stones, expensive stones, this makes him king. It contributes to this personal sense of kingship and eminence. Some kings, by a very big festival, a very big moment, will put on display some of their magnificence. But the fact that they have it, wow, he is the king. And this is therefore the significance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu setting apart the Jewish people as his treasured nation. The preciousness transcends the purpose that they serve. What's this? The fact that Yidin do mitzvahs, learn Teda, they reveal godliness in the world. They show that God is the ruler of the world. And this expands His kingdom. But the essential identity of a Jew is not the purpose that he serves, but simply the delight that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, simply because, I have my hidden. Like the hidden treasures of a king, a Jew's existence is the very source of delight to God. Even before doing any mitzvah, the mere fact that there's a yid, and that's why it's so exciting when a new neshama comes out into the world. 
a new boy or girl is born. What is this infant? The infant doesn't even say Guga yet. The infant doesn't do anything. Ezegemache. It doesn't... It. You just look at it and you beam. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, so happy. Oh, so excited. And for a girl, we make a kiddish, and for a boy, we do a big bris. If he's a firstborn boy, he has a pinion a ben. If the father is not a kain or a levi, or the mother is not a baskain or a levi. For what? Mm-hmm. What is happening here? What transpires? This is what we are learning. The Amsegula. The Amsegula, the nation, is God's treasure. Before we even do any mitzvahs. Another part of the Pasha, we will discuss Bikurim soon, before discussing Bikurim, we discuss the speech that comes with the Bikurim. First he says, Biyarti HaKedish Min I took out the Kedish from the house, I brought my first fruits to the Besamidash. They tell a story of a very, very wealthy man that became a Shige. Became a Shige. What happened? Decided he's not being religious anymore. Not going to be from. And he went and he sold everything. He sold his tefillin, he sold his mezuzahs, he sold his stalas, he sold his wife's life, the, everything he sold. That night, he had a horrific, horrific dream. Horrific dream. A nightmare. Showing all different animalistic characters and traits. In the morning he went running to the Rebbe. He told him what happened. So the Rebbe told him, Pasik says, Bi'arti hakedesh minabayas. Which is what you did. You did bir chomets on all the kedesh from your house. The Roshetavis of the words, the first letter, the acronym of the words, Bi'arti hakedesh minabayas, is the word behema. You acted like a behemoth. You have, you have behemoths in your dream. One needs to understand that everything that we have in the house, in our lives, people that we meet, people that we come across, all for a reason. Unfortunately, some people, shall we say, rock the boat. And we complain, and we say, Oi, my door is rocked, my boat is rocked. I just closed it, you guys want to go back and forth, and 
I didn't need the bugs. No, it's fine. You, you got to work back and forth. Leave it open. Yeah. Okay. I just closed it because you were outside. You weren't doing anything. There's no reason to have it open. We need to understand, as we did from the Teichacha, nothing that comes from Hashemayim, comes from HaShakadosh Baruch Hu, is bad. I cannot tell you, and I won't venture to do so, to try to describe or explain how a pandemic could be good. It's tough pickings, as we say in America. Pandemic is a pandemic. We've watched, seen, and heard, and are still hearing. Since we're talking about it like this, Ed, Schuster, Fushlema, the Biel Ben Chana, Shabbat Fushlema Kreva. Also, the fall. Oops. Sorry, I don't remember the names. These are people still affected by the pandemic that I know personally. We have a choice to understand and to be a recipient of God's goodness, kindness, in blessing. Well, we can interpret it and say how troublesome, how painful, how hurtful. Very hard to say certain things that are really hurtful that, that find any kind of goodness in it. You're, you're disturbing and perversing everything by saying so. But it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if it comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we need to understand how to apply it to our life. We have a hard time with that. And many different things. Especially when someone we trusted and we thought everything was perfect with all of a sudden backfires. We can't take the blame on ourselves. But we have to hope and pray that the person does tshuva, repents, and learns from it. As do we. Why was I subjected to this? I can't tell. God should protect. We should never have to experience be subjected to God forbid any kind of pain and we should only find simcha throughout our lives
We see in the Pasuk talks about the Vidui that the person mentions. It's Vayeded Mitzrayim Vayogasham. He went down to Egypt and sojourned there. The Haggadah Sepesach elaborates on this Pasuk and asserts that Yaakov went down to Mitzrayim against his will. He was forced by a divine decree. Somewhat perplexing the statement. Yaakov was Bechish of Ovis. He was from the Ovis, he was the most special. So much so that Avram Avinu had an Esav. Did he know? Avram had a Yishmol and Yitzchak had an Esav. Yaakov had Mitos Shlema. All his children across the board with Tzadikim. No. So this Yaakov, as we know him, so devoted and dedicated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with his entire essence. If he knew God wanted him to move to Mitzrayim, how could he hesitate for one second? How could he not oblige with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's request, demand? Not only that, God assures him, God tells him, I'll go down, I'm going down with you. And I'll bring you up, I'm going to bring you back up, I will ascend with you. Clearly stating that this going down was only a temporary thing, and that you're going to come back up. And not only you'll come back up, but you'll reach heights that you can never achieve otherwise. The future was so promising. Yaakov should have been ecstatic. should have been thrilled to make this trip. But the Agatha, the Balagatha says he was forced. Why? Although Yaakov Ataka was happy to do what Akadosh Baruch wanted him to do, his descent to this debased environment of Mitzrayim was a constant thorn in the side. Despite the benefit whoops, there we go, that his move will ultimately yield, Yaakov never made peace with the enormous spiritual risk that this posed for his family and for himself even though the impact would only be temporary he was perpetually uncomfortable he was reluctant as it were to be in an Egyptian environment this discomfort however that ensured that his children were not entirely were not entirely consumed by the surroundings, and the purpose of their going down, he ultimately realized. We too 
destined by Ashkacha Pratis to find ourselves in situations, environments that are devoid of holiness. And like our ancestor Yaakov, we must recognize the divine mission that we have been assigned. And we have to happily devote ourselves to infusing our surroundings with Kedusha, holiness and meaning. Still in all, in order to do so, to elevate our surroundings and ensure that the environment does not have a negative influence on us, you must keep in mind that the environment constitutes a descent to Egypt, going down to Mitzrayim, a place where a Jew is inherently uncomfortable. His own Mitzrayim, his own personal Mitzorim Ugvulim, because we're not allowed to go back to Mitzrayim. And is there only, why is he in this Mitzrayim? Only because this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. And if one accepts carte blanche, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu has in store for him, and therefore one overcomes all the discomforts and all the pains, trials, tribulations that one goes through. In a city called Jvil, there was a holy man of Gedalia Moshe. Gedalia Moshe once sat in a dintera. Two Yidin came to dintera. Afterwards, they both they all sat down. They ate dinner in Gedalia Moshe's house. The Russian government, however, unfortunately, suspected these two people as spies. They had left already. But since they ate supper in Gedalia house, the government insisted that he had something to do with them. And they pressured him to try to reveal their whereabouts. And he, of course, refused to say a word. They took him to court, they took him to interrogations, they shocked him with electric. All the painful things that they could possibly do to somebody. Mum was the word. He would not say a word, Shalom, about what happened, with, about their whereabouts. And they told him, you won't cooperate with us, we're sending you to Siberia. Sending to Siberia. And there you'll learn a pizza. There you'll learn how to behave. I figured the threat alone was enough for him not to want to be there. Little to their understanding or knowledge, he was not under any circumstances going to give away the whereabouts of these Jews. Therefore, Yeah. Yeah. 
Therefore, they sent him to Siberia. Siberia is not user-friendly, shall we say. And he said, if this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, this is where I am. One of the interrogators was a Yid. Sorry, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. And he said, if I have to die, I'll die for this. I'm not doing it. One of the interrogators was a Yid that Ahmad al-Islam was once from and has not yet gone Shuvah again. First himself as a secular Yid. And he remembered the ancestors, the Jevila Rebbe's when he was young, he was from out of respect, instead of killing, he sent him off to Siberia. And in Siberia, they once threw him into a pit, he was there for a week. No food. The rats were eating, biting away at him, his feet. And he said he almost died. And a miracle occurred and somebody dropped a bread, a roll of bread, fell straight into his mouth. And this Pashat revived him, gave him strength to recuperate a little bit. But he said if it wouldn't have fallen straight in his mouth, he wouldn't have had prayer to bend down and pick it up. That's how weak he was. He was in Siberia for eight years. Finally, after eight years, he was called into an office. Said, "Sign these papers. You're free." Givaldik, it's going free, brother. Problem. He says it's Shabbos. I'm not signing. If you don't sign, you're staying here. We're not giving you another chance. What should I do? The Vaila was another year there. Also getting out of Siberia. And he also had to sign a paper. So when he was asked to sign, he also said, No. Shabbos. The Rebbe's not signing, I'm not signing. So Gidal Yamasha turned around and says, I'll sign for you. I'll sign for you, he says. On Shabbos. He says, I can take what's going on over here. I can tolerate. I will live through it. It's not a quick nefesh for me to return here, stay here. For you it is. And therefore I'll sign for you to save you from Pekuch Nefesh. The guard saw what was going on. He was so in a spell. He says, never mind. I'll sign for both of you. Gates isn't a hit. We didn't say that for sure. When Gedalimesha, the Jvila Gedalimesha was on his deathbed, he said, Rebbein Shalom, all I ask is if Chas Shalom I ever upset a Yid, Chas Shalom I ever did bad to a Yid, I should be forgiven for it.
doesn't sound like he was a person that did bad to you. Let's go into the Bikurim, as we said. Hayayim Hazeh Hashem Alekechem Etzavcho Shmata Vasis Eisem Echalavavcho Nafshcho Today, HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded you to do so, you should keep it and do it with full heart and soul. Shemarta v'asisa, as Rashi, Eitzam, Baskel mevarachtei havoz pikurim ayim. A baskel, a voice from heaven came and said, a heavenly voice said, Blessing those who brought pikurim, Tishne neshana abo. May you merit the next year. First, the Pasha starts with Bikurim and then goes on to taking out the Maitris. Then the Pasik says, and you will do them. So, why at this point does Rashi give the Bracha to bring you Bikurim? The Pasha that's talking about already the Vidri on the Maitris, on the Mitzvah of Bikurim. Not on the Mitzvah of Bikurim. We can't say Rashi is bringing the Bikurim only because it's an example for the truth is the Bracha goes also to the Maestris. Loshna Bracha Tishna Neshana Bo doesn't fit in always so properly for the Vidi Maestris. Because Neshana Bo it's only once in three years. Therefore, must be talking about the Bikurim. We can say simply, Parashimaisis begins, Kizchad Laser, Skomaisit Fuoscha, Shana Shishis. When you begin, Shlishis. When you begin to tithe all the tithe from your tour, the third year. This is talking about somebody that every third year brings all his tithe. Even the first year and second year's tithe, he saves up. So now we understand simply. It's impossible to explain that Vishamatra Sisa Isam goes in the Pasha's Maestris, which is next to it. So how can you say that he's benched? That he's going to do it again next year. Even if he didn't do it right, he brings the Maestris late. The opposite of the bracha, and therefore Rashi says that this bracha has to be talking about the bikurim. The bikurim was said itself was brought after when the entire nation had settled in, and as we know, it took fourteen years for the nation to settle in. You could not bring bikurim if you not the entire nation was not settled in. Simply reason because if the nation is not one, is not whole, a Jew cannot coexist. Another Jew is Chazal, not the way he should be, and therefore it was relevant, very relevant, pertinent that the entire Bnei Yisrael was settled, the seven years of conquering and the seven years of settling, and that it's Yisrael before the mitzvah of Bikurim was actually brought. 
And as we said before, the Teich is not Sishma. If you will not listen. If you not listen to the voice of God, so simply speaking, these are close. But as we said just now, and it's brought down in the Shalom and many other places, Ein Ra Yerid Milmailo. No bad comes from above. If one does something bad in this world, it's the person doing it actually, it's not a Kajibaruch doing it, but it's not, since it's a Kajibaruch that runs the world, it's being done, it's coming from the source of a Kajibaruch. So therefore we must say that even these curses are only blessings. Within them is enclosed blessings. As we said therefore, the Mitle Rebbe heard brachas when his father read the Teichra. He discovered on Gemara Brachas, Samach HaMed Beis, 60s I too, the Mara says the two different phrases. Called of the Rahman of the Tabovit and Gamzula Teva. Everything that Akash Baraka does is for the good, and this too is for good. The first expression is that of Rabbi Akiva. And Kiva scored home again, the Yamara the same place in Brachas. The Imara tells us a story. Rabbi Akiva was traveling. He had a donkey, which he rode. He had a rooster, which woke him up by thinking chatzais. And he had a candle, so he could learn at night. He got to a city, and nobody wanted to host him. They wouldn't let him come in. So he decided to camp out in the field. Doesn't say anything about his tent. That night, a lion came and ate his donkey. That night, a cat came and ate his rooster. And that night, a very strong wind came and extinguished its flame. He didn't have any more matches. To which Rebekah's reaction was, cold. Whatever Akash Baruch Hu does, he does for good. In the morning he found out that thieves attacked the city, says the Gemara, and pillaged and destroyed the city and killed everyone. Rabbi Akiva was saved. How? Had he been in the city, had someone hosted him, he would have been one of those casualties. Had his donkey brayed at night, they would have known somebody was in the field. Had his rooster crowed at night, they would have known he was in the field. And had his candle been lit, they would have seen somebody studying. They would have known 
he was in the field. Therefore, Therefore, he was saved. Bishaitai, he might not. Have, he almost got upset, but he wouldn't get upset because he says, "Called of the Rachmana, the Tav of it." Whatever Kadosh does, it's for good. This is where we see how Rabbi Akiva applied his shita. The other shita belonged to a holy man called Nachemish Gamzu. If you keep his score at home, it's brought down twice in Shas. Once in Zechtes Tainis Chafala from Ralef. And once in Sanhedrin Kuv Chesam and Beis. This Tainis 21 side 1. And Sanhedrin 108 side 2. I apologize, by the way, for the recording. The background construction. Nothing I can do about it. I had to record my day, and they have to work. The second expression was by Nachim Gamzu. Chachmi Yisrael sent him to give to the king a gift. There was a decree on the Jews, and in order to try to nullify the decree, they sent him with a treasure chest full of gold, full of precious stones. In the, on the way, he stayed in an inn, and the innkeeper was watching, quote-unquote, his chest for him overnight, and saw what was in there, he said, I don't know if I can watch it for him, but I can watch it for me, and he emptied it all out, and he put in sand instead. Alright. And Nachim woke up in the morning, take his chest, and he opened up, and saw it was stone, it was sand. He said, Gamzu but it's also good. When the Roman king saw the sand, he wanted to kill him. Akash Baruch sent Eliyahu Anavi, dressed up like one of his advisors, and he said, Do you remember, Your Majesty, the father of the Jews, Abraham, Avram Avinu, went to war, and he had this special sand, and he threw the sand, and it turned to weapons, and he says, yeah, maybe it's the same sand. Wow. They were at war at the time, so they immediately took it out, and they started to throw, and it did its trick. And the Eden and the Nochem were given great honors for it. So we see the bed itself, turned out to the most tremendous good. Not only that, nothing happened, God forbid, to the tzaddik. The opposite. What happened here was, he brought him all the stones and everything else, they filled him up his own, and they sent him home with riches. But this dirt was Gamzul Teva. There's no bad. 
It's good. P.S. For those who didn't, who are dying from irony of the story, the innkeeper found that when he came back, the innkeeper saw he's still alive. He saw the treasure chest full of gold and everything. This time, Ibn wasn't asking him to watch it for him, obviously. And he asked him what happened. Pray tell. And he told him the story, how it turned into weapons. So the innkeeper immediately went back to the backyard where he took the stone, the ground, the uh, earth from, loaded up wagons, and went to sell it to the king for weapons. Obviously, the king tried it out, and obviously, it made the enemies very unhappy, getting mud pies in their face. But weapons it didn't turn into, and the man paid his price. So ends the storybooks. Nachemish Gamzu was one of the teachers of Rabbi Akiva. And he came from a generation that was closer to the time of the Holy Temple. generation of Rabbi Akiva in turn was closer to the generation of exile so when the house was given when a person was given in the time of Samikdash the opportunity to see the good in everything also in this he can see bad. Time of Golos, he can't see this. We need to see only the good, the outcome of what we're going through, and the end of the bad. Today's days, as we stand on the precipice of Gula, being Niske, the Karev to this, Akash Baruch should peel away all the hidden things should show us Be'ene Basar Kol HaTev HaNizkav and it should be everything that's hidden with all the Tzaras all the pain that we're going through should all be eliminated abolished there'll be no more pain in the world only the concept of good kindness greatness plentiful and devotion the Meisha tells the Eden the end of the Pasha Nas Hashem Lachem Leiv Ladas Bilei Nas Hashem Lachem God I give to you Leiv Ladas a heart to understand and I am Lirei's eyes to see as I am the Shmeah ears to hear of the Yemazeh tells us the Teda Meisha says this at the end of 40 years the Imara tells us person only understands the das of his teacher after 40 years therefore 40 years Meisha is telling them that now you have the Iznayim, the Shmeya, the Ainayim, etc. You didn't have it till today. Now it's 40 years with me. So it's not totally understandable to say this because the fact is the Mesha mentions things here now 
that just happened a few weeks ago, a few months ago, a few years ago, not even. Where is it 40 years? There's no 40 years involved here. So how could it be that they'll understand only if after 40 years they have to understand these things immediately? And this we hear and understand with their introduction of the Etzim Maima of the person cannot stand on Das Rabbi for 40 years. How in general can we do this? Where does the Talmud develop this? So it says to us the development is two, twofold. There is a private line that one teaches his students. And then there is the general attitude, approach, demeanor. One gets and gleams from their teacher, from their master, from their shepherd. This life that a person can now understand and get and grasp, is only after 40 years. It doesn't mean 40 years to sit and live with a person and understand something only 40 years ago. But to stand on the way that the teacher teaches, on the opinion the teacher has, on the lifestyle the teacher lives, do not open that. That is the concept of the 40 years. Mm-hmm. And that we should be given. The Nayim Lirais, the Nayim Lishmea, we should stand our daiti, and we should be able to vishmartem as divrei atay abris azayis. He has given the kach baruch that gives us the kayach to learn, to listen, lessons, also from miracles and wonders that the kach baruch has done, and should strengthen our hands at keeping of teira mitzvahs, and that we should be able to ultimately do the ultimate mitzvahs in the shalayim irakedish with the shiach Shabbat Shalom.